I feel the need, the need for a podcast exploring the career and films of Tom Cruise. Welcome to Cruise Views. Hello, you're listening to Cruise Views, the podcast all about soccer playing arsonist Tom Cruise, uh, where we go through his whole filmography in chronological order from Endless Love, which is this episode, to Top Gun Maverick and beyond. Uh, I'm Adam Scott Glasspool, and I'm joined by Tom Ashford. Good to be here. I, did, I, didn't, I didn't believe your reading of that line, that it's good to be here. Not for this but film, Adam. I'll tell you Not for, for this it. film. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. It's a tricky one. It is a tricky one. Uh, yeah, uh, you can find out more about us personally in the introduction that also came out today. It's the episode before this one. Uh, but if you're here just for the film, we will get straight into it. We should say this podcast is kind of designed to be listened to having seen the film. Yeah, this this episode and every single one afterwards, it's going to be thoroughly spoilerful. I mean, yeah. Uh, and listen to it if you don't care about spoilers that's fine but we're literally gonna go through every plot point well uh as far as we can actually remember what happens in the movie or the character names or anything like that but we're gonna spoil the whole thing so anyway on to the first on-screen performance of tom cruise endless love is released on july 17th 1981 okay it's directed by franco zeffirelli now, Franco Zeffirelli is not a nobody. You know, I've seen mm. his films. Uh, I'm currently watching Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, and I'm not currently watching as in I've just got it on a screen here. It's five hours long. So I'm Jesus. kind of doing that in sort of sections. Sometimes it's split up into a mini series. Um, but he also directed um, the very famous adaptation of Romeo and Juliet. Right which is, uh, you know, this very ornate, earnest adaptation of Romeo and Juliet that he did in the 60s, in 1968, I think it was. Um, so he's not a nobody. You know, I, I was when I saw his name, I was quite excited because I really like his adaptation of Romeo and Juliet. It's brilliant. It's beautiful. Uh, it's very reverent, uh, which is a lot of things that I did not see in Endless Love. Yeah. Um, the the other thing that means that, that that makes it not a nothing film is that it stars Brooke Shields, uh, yeah. who at the time was one of the most famous people in America. It also stars Martin Hewitt, Shirley Knight, Don Murray, and is one of the first screen appearances of James Spader. Yes, I didn't realize yeah. that until a few scenes in. I was like, "Yeah, it is him, isn't it? It yeah, is Ultron." Yeah, <laughs> that is what I thought the whole yeah. time. Yeah. It's yeah. Ultron slash that boss from The Office, US. <laughs> yes, exactly. The screenplay is by Judith Rasko and is based on a 1979 book of the same name by Scott Spencer. Um, also the film debut for Martin Hewitt, um, who plays David Axelrod. Uh, great name, first of all. The old drummer from Opeth was Axelrod. Oh, okay, great. Incredibly anything, metal name. Anything to do with this film? Uh, I, I imagine not. I imagine okay, he wanted to cool. distance himself from it as much as everyone else. <laughs> Interestingly, Martin Hewitt uh, actually won the role over Tom Cruise. I was thinking uh, the whole time, Tom Cruise would have genuinely made this film better. 
if he'd been in the main role. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the 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 lead role demands a weird level of like, uh, charming intensity. Yeah, intensity masked by charm. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Um, there's nothing sort of grand about the production. It's shot in Chicago. Uh, let's get into the film. Let, let's let's start the film. Let's go through the film point by point because. Uh, fuck it. Let's see how our memories are holding up. I watched it about yeah. a week ago at this point. Yes. Um. Uh. The, it has like a James Bond style title sequence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really setting it up. Which I was is, like, okay, yeah, this is going to be like a fun eighties like film. <laughs> I miss yeah. title sequences, man. We need to bring back title sequences. But the first thing I noticed was I fucking know this Lionel Richie song, and it's the second example like everybody knows endless love by lionel richie and diana ross right did you know this song before you before you watched the film i think i did it's i think the, I the did. theme of it was played all the way through it and it's and it's vaguely familiar but oh, it's, it's the, on a fucking flute most of the time and it's awful it is yeah yeah, yeah. like i didn't mind the it when soundtrack it was actually is really something on this movie <laughs> like when when the actual song was played i was like okay this is fine it's cheesy it's 80s whatever you know yeah it was a bit over the top in the context of the film. But, like, yeah, then they just keep bringing back that little motif of the flute, like, do, do, do. It's just <laughs> fucking hell. It's, it's so the second awful. time that I've watched a Franco Zifferelli film uh, and not really known anything about the film, but then gone, oh, I know that song. Because the soundtrack right. to Romeo and Juliet is really, really famous. Okay. Like, uh, oh, hang on. Let me see if I can find it because have, have you seen the 1968 no. romeo and juliet i don't think i've seen any other film that this guy's made obviously i'd heard of the romeo and juliet 68 but i had not i've not seen it i haven't seen anything else that he's uh he's produced honestly after this i may just give him a wide miss <laughs> <laughs> i think you should watch romeo and juliet well, let's be honest, I don't want to not watch another film about teenage lovers from this well, guy. I mean, that's the other thing. Opens in a planetarium, talking about the deepness and vastness of space and the stars. And we see both of our main characters, uh, Jade and David, and they are already together. Yeah. Which was insane to me, because... From reading the synopsis of the movie and knowing that this guy had directed Romeo and Juliet, I was thinking, right, we're going to get Romeo and Juliet. It's going to be two, you know, and it is about two people who shouldn't be together. Yeah. But I thought we were going to watch them meet and court and explore all of that. But they're already together when we start. Yeah, it's an interesting sort of narrative choice because generally speaking, when people go to see a romance, they want two people who should be together to like... You know, they have all these obstacles and they keep get, they get closer and closer and closer and it keeps getting batted away. And then eventually they end up together and that's the big like emotional climax of the movie. So yeah. it's, quite odd, it's quite odd for something that is, well, from my, at least from my perspective, marketed towards people who like romance films. Right, like, yes. To be like, oh, okay, so they start off happy and things are going to get gradually shitter. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of what happens. That is kind of what happens, isn't it? Yeah. Um, the the film immediately for me comes across as like ponderous and just like really like yearning. Do you know what I mean? Like it's so <clears throat> serious and like there's such there's so much longing 
between these characters like like they're one of the one of the their first lines are what would you do if i died and then the other one goes i'd die too and it's all that kind of like breathy like oh my god we're so in love do you know what i mean yeah it's awful very very serious but but it instantly sets up that uh he's a senior she is in high school right yeah (laughs) because they're on a school trip she's 15 and he's 17 yeah and according to the poster it's the love that every parent fears yeah i'm gonna be honest when i saw that i wasn't expecting the love that happens to a lot of people across the world without incident it's almost the love that all parents expect yeah i mean the, the love that all parents should fear is is this kind of love though that they have in the film? Sure, uh, because it's absolutely insane. Uh, Martin Hewitt is a charisma vacuum. <laughs> he is fucking awful. There is there is a reason why he his career did not take off like Tom Cruise or James Spader or even Brooke Shields. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Exactly. I mean, I, I, by all accounts, he hated working in the Hollywood system. Uh, he feels that this role was perhaps too early for him. You don't know this. I'm going to reveal this live on the podcast. I was talking to him the other day. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> because I wanted to see if we could get him on the podcast. Got episode uh, one. Yeah, the star of the movie. Um, but he just wasn't up for it. He doesn't like talking about this period of his life. And he now owns a home security company in LA. He's doing very oh. well for himself. And he seems very happy. And he's a nice guy. And it was really nice to chat to him. But he just wasn't up for like revisiting this period of his life. Um James Spader sort of makes up for it uh, because that guy is like all charisma, but probably wouldn't have worked as like the lead character. He's 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 too abrasive. Yeah, I mean, he in is. His, in his I mean, he's an abrasive character, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I yeah. guess it's it's difficult to really like because obviously he's playing such a different character in the film. It's difficult to really transpose that performance onto the main character. But I do feel like he's a bit more like there's a roughness to it. Which yeah. I think, by nature of the main character needing to be dangerously charming, doesn't quite. I don't think that would quite flow. Yeah, Whereas I mean, someone like nothing, Tom Cruise, there's nothing dangerously charming about Martin Hewitt. No, no, dangerously I think, boring. Yeah, uh, at, at some points of the movie, and and I don't think the editing necessarily helped his performance because there are some shots where he's like breaking down in tears, and then it will cut to a different angle and he's just staring it's a very it's a very like european film right yeah there's loads of jump cuts and long takes of people earnestly looking at each other because they're so in love and i it's i don't i I, maybe you didn't feel this maybe you did there's a very loose feel to the film especially at the beginning yeah yeah it feels the dialogue actually feels very natural uh, and there's sort of like lots going on, and I, I was actually quite into the first sort of twenty minutes of this movie. And we meet all the characters at this huge party, yeah, yeah, which is at Jade's house, and yeah, it's hosted Jade's by her house, parents, yeah. who are insane. Yeah, her parents are absolutely mental, and James Spader plays her brother. Yeah, and so David, our lead, uh, knows Jade through her brother, right? Yes. Um, a rock band shows up in the party. I mean, they're all wearing like the the dad is wearing like a Victorian tails yeah. kind of thing, and the mum is in this like almost like masquerade ball type dress. Uh, 
It's like the cross uh, between that and a kimono. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, it is. It's 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 like a it's like an Asian thing, isn't it? Uh, and it, the party just sort of descends into this weird, like bohemian freak out in which the dad is playing some of the least convincing trumpet I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then someone called Susan turns up and everyone's like oh susan's coming is susan here when is susan coming and susan turns up and is never mentioned again for the rest of the movie (laughs) (laughs) but she plays a song that turns out to be the lionel richie song and uh they're just you know our two characters are just sort of uh making eyes at each other from across the room and brooke shield's character just starts slowly walking across the room like through these people who are all watching this song being performed and they finally meet and there's long shots of the parents watching them like move across the room to yeah. meet and it's just so yearning yeah and i thought at the time i thought Do you know what this is spot on because i remember thinking i was in love at the age of 15 and this is what it felt like yeah it no, felt like I, the most important relationship in the world. Yeah, and 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 I I agree with you. I think I think the first twenty minutes, like it's it's a perfectly enjoyable film at that point. And yeah, yeah, I think tonally they actually like they nailed it on this point. I would argue that this is where the film should have started. Like we should have seen them get together at this party, essentially. Uh, That's, yeah. To some extent, you'd have to rewrite, it, obviously. But like, I, I feel like you would the, have to rewrite. The, it. Yeah, yeah, you'd have obviously. to take out a lot of stuff. Yes, that happens. <laughs> but like the fact that they're looking at each other and it's all this like lo- like this longing, yearning between them, and the parents are watching them. But then it's also we've already been established that they're in a relationship, yeah. and the parents know who he is to the point that they don't even have to be introduced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, it, it's Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, they meet but, at a but, party, but they're fine. But the parents are fine with it at this point. Like it, it's yeah, kind of, it I just know. doesn't match up to what happens in the rest of the film and what we've just seen before, which is, oh, yeah. they're already together and yet they're longing for each other. And the parents are like, oh, disapproving, but also completely approving. <laughs> so, we've both said that we're kind of into this in- introduction. Like we're both into the opening moments of this film, the first 20 minutes maybe. When was yeah. the turning point for you? Do, can you remember? Yeah, it's when the mum comes down the stairs and watches them having sex. And instead of being like, there being any natural reaction, not even like, oop, I've caught it, but I'm okay with this, and going up the stairs yeah. again. Not yeah, just like, yeah, yeah. not She not, sits not down that. and watches. Yes. Yeah, At yeah. that point, I think I made the note, why is the mum so creepy? Yeah. So we should also point out that uh, we have in no way jumped ahead, and that is the next scene. Yes. <laughs> They make eyes at each other and move across the party. Then the party ends and he pretends to leave. Then they have sex yeah. in front of the fireplace. Sure. Uh, yeah. While the mum watches. Yeah. That is and, the next scene. And the, I think the idea is that the mum is not is not sexually fulfilled. Yeah, and is reminiscing about her first love sure. and kind of living vicariously through the couple. I don't think they do enough of that. that. It doesn't come across like that at all. It seems like she's just left the bed that she could have had sex in, but we have no we have no indication that the the parents haven't you know don't have a good sex life that they haven't gone upstairs and had sex at the end of this party. We have no indication of anything. Well, they have sex. They do have sex after she's watched her daughter have sex. Right. Fuck's sake. (laughs) But it's in the film. It just seems like she's got up because she hears a noise. Because she does hear a yeah, noise. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then she just sees her daughter. Oh boy, having... does she hear a noise. Yeah. 
<laughs> she comes downstairs and just sees, oh, look, there's a young man having sex with my daughter. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> but again, yeah, it's the love that every parent fears. Yeah. So far, not that scared by it, it seems. <laughs> Quite content to just sit there and watch it happen. Uh, yeah. That is then followed by a very weird conversation between David and the mum the next morning where she's like, don't try and court us all, you know, because I think he's trying to like work his way in, like into the family and try and be charming right. to everybody. Uh, and which then is, he which gives again her... is odd. It's odd because again, he meet, he knows Jade through her brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, already exactly. friend. He's not courting the brother. He's already really good mates with the brother, apparently. Well, I don't know if he is really good mates with his brother, but I mean, so firstly, David then gives the mum a very odd kiss on the cheek that is so long and, again, has exactly that same yearning tone. And so I was unsure as to whether, like, okay, well, is he now making moves on the mum? And I was really confused as to where this film was taking us. Um, but you said they're really good uh friends uh him and the brother on the next scene they go duck hunting together and james spader says just because you're fucking my sister doesn't mean you're part of the family so maybe they're not good friends yeah I, it's kind of just it's just kind of weird to be like i know jade through this person yeah and then to be all like oh actually they're not friends at all i mean look as this film goes on and becomes slightly more complicated I'm going to be honest, at no point did I have any idea what any character was thinking or feeling or wanted to do or was going to do. I had absolutely no idea. Um, Okay, so so then it's not really a montage, but the the film kind of settles into this groove where we just kind of see their relationship continue. Um, There's a few sex scenes that are quite awkwardly shot and very obviously cut down. Oh, yes. Yeah, like there are some very odd cuts in there that I think Im- implies, and, and, and we'll come on to it later, like I think they were supposed to be a bit a bit, a bit more graphic than, than they end up being. Uh, yeah. There's another weird moment where the dad sees David naked. Yes. <laughs> and the mum seems cool with it. The dad is like less so. I think that's the first thing of his, like of him being like, well, hang on, my daughter's 15 and has a naked man in her room. That's when like the cogs start sort of turning uh, for yeah. him. And, and he seems to become increasingly troubled by that. He's woken up by David leaving one morning because it's supposed to be like a secret that he's staying over, right? right. And then catches Jade taking one of his sleeping pills, <laughs> uh, one of the dad's sleeping pills, because she's having trouble sleeping and her grades are bad and, and all that stuff. And there's a big argument. And instantly the dad just bans David from the house and stops them yeah. from seeing each other until term is over. And, and he says, like, you know, you can only see her in 30 days' time. Uh, there's a very tense confrontation between David and the dad. Uh, and we're still only about 40 minutes in. <laughs> so yeah. I really thought, like, that's top of act two sort of stuff, really. Uh, and then usually in the third act, you'd have them, you know, find a way to get back together. But we're not even halfway through. Um, the mum, like, eventually sort of settles it down. Uh, and I was also sort of into that bit, like, because it made me think, like, that kind of very intense, like, adolescent love to be taken away from each other for 30 days in an age without phones. Yeah, yeah. Would have just been insane. They just would not have seen each other at all. And in fact, there is a montage where 
they are avoiding each other at school but it's it's kind of played like he's avoiding her and she doesn't know why yeah so i became very confused about again who's feeling what who knows what it's all Do you know a bit, what i mean yeah it's all a bit contrived that like the whole sequence yeah. like yeah obviously it makes sense like the perspective of having the mum be all like oh well you know girls you know teenage girls have awakening sexuality she's going to want to be with the guy of the year above and then the dad being all like no i'm not letting him come over here you can't see him all that it's makes a sense classic narrative yeah yeah but like the the scene where she tries to take sleeping pills and then he flies off the handle like the whole thing is so contrived to try and like wrap up so much in one quick go yes. with such like over the top acting where brook shields is literally like being a, a five-year-old having a tantrum it's like hysterical yeah and like and she's hysterical way before the point where he goes you can't see him anymore yeah. like she's hysterical when he goes don't take sleeping pills out of my supposed to be locked drawer and she's I mean, like yeah. why also don't, don't yeah don't do that that's a bad yeah. idea yeah, yeah and the whole but i love that the mum is like just let her take one jesus christ yeah, <laughs> yeah. go to sleep she's too bohemian like, yeah, she is. Well, I mean, there's that, um, there's she in the in the confrontation that she settles down between David and the dad. She says this line, which is, "I'm starting to sound like a mother. Don't inflict that on me, please." Right. Which is very telling about the mum's whole sort of like mm. mo for this movie, where she just does not want to be seen as a mother. She wants to be seen as like this cool bohemian sort of thing. But yeah, wait, like, calm down, mate. Don't yeah. give your child sleeping pills, I reckon, at the age of 15. Yeah. Don't and give them access to sleeping pills, I reckon. But I feel like that, that is in itself like just a really contrived way of trying to be like, here's the reason why she's now being banned from seeing him. Because she went yeah. to try to get sleeping pills because yeah, she couldn't yeah, yeah. sleep when very transparently she was awake all night with him. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, exactly. It's just unnecessary. You could just have the dad be like, no, you're not seeing him anymore. Well, I thought exactly the same thing, and I thought, okay, this they must have put this in because it comes back. And I thought they were setting up the sleeping pills for a Romeo and Juliet ending. Right. Where she tries to take her own life at some point. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't happen. <laughs> Lots of no. other stuff happens. Look, they're avoiding each other at school, and then who fucking shows up, Tom? It's Tom Cruise. It's fucking Tom Cruise. He's playing football. He's sweaty as fuck. He takes his <laughs> he shirt off. He immediately takes his shirt off. <laughs> Because he's sweaty, so you need to take the shirt yeah, off. So he immediately takes his shirt off. And he is full-on charm-offensive Tom Cruise, right? He yeah. is doing the absolute most for a scene where all he has to do is impart, like, one bit of kind of knowledge. He has to give this uh, the main character, like, this idea of something to do. Yeah. That's all he has to do. Uh, all he has to do. He's given it his all, isn't he? He is, to a fault. Yeah, it's, it's way too like, much. It's so... <laughs> it stands out as basically being a guy who's all like, guys, this is my first screen role, and I've got yeah. to I've got to nail this, otherwise yeah. I will never make yeah. a Mission Impossible film. Like, <laughs> but also, uh, opposite, you know, we've, we've now been like with Martin Hewitt for 45 minutes and you're like fucking hell who's this guy with all the charisma yeah like why is yeah. this why is the film not about this insane person yeah why is why is Billy not dating Jade yeah exactly <laughs> Billy and Jade would like, be good together but the thing the thing that Tom Cruise uh, points out is uh, uh, I don't even know why he brings it up to be honest uh, he when he was eight 
he set fire to some papers in his mum's house. He got scared that they were two on fire and put it out, which the mum saw, and then he was lauded as a hero for putting out the fire. Right. And that's it. He's in it for about 30 seconds. Yeah. And there's no yeah. reason for that conversation, really. No. It, I mean, it, now, I know, it's, it's, it's like it the has, sleeping pills. Yeah. yeah it has it, ramifications going forward, but I can't remember why it's brought up. No. No. <laughs> He's very Tom Cruise. He's shirtless and laughing maniacally about arson. And it's it's not a good <laughs> laugh either. It's the like, Tom Cruise laugh. It, what do you mean? But, oh, but, no, because it, it, he basically just has this little mini monologue about a failed arson attempt and just goes, ah, <laughs> and it cuts away. <laughs> it's just like, Jesus Christ, this is like, he's still better than Hewitt, but yeah. it's, it's not a great performance. It's, it's like, it's a movie's worth of Tom Cruise's energy yeah. put into 30 seconds. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then he, but then he's, and he's gone. He's squinting the whole time as well. Like, I don't, he, it's like he's looking up at the sun. He's just, it's so, so weird. But he's also the most important character uh, for the second half of the film because he puts in this little seed. And I'm not, we won't mm. talk about it until it happens because then, uh, uh, then there's a very odd scene between David and David's parents where his mum threatens to call the police on him because he's playing loud music. Which is which is odd. They have this whole conversation about uh, how, like, you know, his parents don't even care and whatever. There's another party at Jade's house. Well, uh, d- d- before you go to Fred, I think that the whole um, Martin's parents. Yeah. I think well, David's parents, David's parents. Like, I think that's to an attempt to set up the Romeo and Juliet dynamic because you've got the bohemian parents on one side yeah, and you've yeah, got yeah. very conservative parents who are like, you know, turn that music down rather than... You've got to set that up 45 minutes ago. Yeah. You've got to get right in at the beginning <laughs> yeah. with that Do stuff, Do it halfway guys. through the film when it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. These I mean, people think commies are around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're not even halfway through the film at this point. Um, there's another party at Jade's house, you know... The the brother has invited someone who's got the the hots for Jade because you know he's like oh you know they've uh, they've broken up which Martin overhears at school which is why he makes his way to the party. Why not bring Tom Cruise back for the scene? Why not have his character Billy be the guy who's at the party hitting on Jade? Yeah, but we're saying that because we love Tom Cruise at this point. Like we're we're, yeah. we're saying that from the perspective of someone you know. Who knows that Tom Cruise has a forty-year career in film? Yeah, but even <laughs> like, though his his even though his like, I do not performance want is not Tom great. Cruise's character anywhere near the rest of this film. I'm going to be honest; it's too much. <laughs> I just, I just, it's just when the character when when the new potential love interest or the person po- you know presented as a, yeah. as a potential love interest is introduced, I was just like, well, who is this guy? Well, exactly. I mean, that that that's that's sort of like a, uh, a a problem with the film. The main problem with the film is that David is our ant- uh, protagonist. Yeah, like that 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 is. Uh, we'll we'll go on to that later. I have I have some thoughts on that. Uh, at, at this party, which David is not invited to, but does turn up to because he heard about it, uh, we watch the dad give uh, the mum blowback. They're smoking weed. Uh, so they're smoking weed, but also a boy staying over is not cool. Like yeah. these guys need to kind of pick. <laughs> which... well, remember, the, the main issue is not that they're sleeping together. The main, like, well, David and uh, Jade. It's 
is that she's not getting enough sleep. Oh yes, of course it is. Yeah, and and her grades and her grades are going down. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's so right, what? That's so right. they hold up. They host another house party. They do. Yes, yes. Yeah. Where loads of weed is smoked. Uh, so David runs away from the party and then calls the house that's having the party from a payphone. But yeah. I don't really know why. I think it's to talk to Jade, maybe. Yes, I think I think he just wants to talk to her. Yeah, and then he just sort of watches uh, from the shadows while someone else sort of flirts with her. Uh, then he burns down their house, uh, and then he sort of like pretends to, uh, he, oh you know, God. he like pretends to like walk past it to put it out, but it's sort of out of control, uh, and the house burns down, <laughs> and we are halfway through the movie. <laughs> it's a very confusingly shot sequence as well because he he sets up the fire and they're like, okay. I remember the scene with Billy. Yes. I know roughly what's happening here. And then he walks yeah. off. And you yeah, think, yeah, yeah. okay, so he's just walking away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm walking away. <laughs> From the fires in my life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then he, then he walks back. Yeah. And he kind of walks back again. I mean, he wait, well, he waits for everybody from the party to leave as well. Yes. Yeah, he does that first. Yeah. He doesn't set fire to the house while everyone's in it. Just while the family are in it. Just while the people he cares about are in <laughs> yeah, it. Exactly. So he burns down their house. Uh, and, I mean, the thing that occurred to me immediately was not a cool move, uh, especially because the thing about Tom Cruise's character, it was his own house. And he was eight. Yeah, he was eight and it was his own house. So there was a good reason for him to be at that house and yeah. putting out a fire. So David just sort of turning up to a party he's not invited uh after to, everyone's left. Yeah, and then putting out a fire. It's obvious that he would have been the one that set the fire. Yeah. And it's not like it it was a random fire somewhere with no cause. Like it would have been a fire started on a pack of newspapers outside the porch that I doused in petrol. Yeah. <laughs> How did this happen? <laughs> One of the people leaving the party must have doused the house in petrol. <laughs> and the thing is, right, so the, the fire gets out of control and, and they evacuate the family and everyone's fine or whatever. Uh, there are no... There's no emotional uh, stakes added to that because we cut right from the fire to David is on trial for arson. Yes. Like, there's no journey between those two points. We immediately go to, he's on trial, he pleads guilty, he gets a reduced sentence of five years probation, and is put in a psychiatric unit. Yeah. Which seems like a drastic response to what is, from what on the face of it would seem just a criminal act. Uh, that's not, that's, that's way, that's very lenient. No, 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 what I mean is, he should just go to prison. Right, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, mean, he's going, oh, no, 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 no. Don't worry about the crime. We're just worried about your mental health, so we're putting you in a facility. Like, <laughs> the dad is quite reasonable in being like, this is, what What the fuck is going on here? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He now, just tried to burn my house down with me and my family in it. Here's, here's, here's my argument. That should be the end of the film. Right. The, the, everything we've talked about so far should be the second half of the film. Hmm. Uh, the first half of the film should be them meeting and getting to know each other and really playing up the Romeo and Juliet aspect of it until it gets, you know, his his behaviour starts getting creepier and creepier and it escalates to the point where he burns down their house. Everyone survives, but he's sent to prison. 
end of the film. Yeah. It's like a little moral tale about the destructive nature of young love, which is, which is what I think this film is trying to say. I think it's trying to talk about the destructive nature of young love, yeah. but it doesn't do it very well. And at the point at which uh, 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 David goes to get psychiatric treatment in a psychiatric unit, we still have an hour left of the film. Yeah. Which It's not the best hour. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the best hour. We follow him through the psychiatric unit like it's fucking one flew over the cuckoo's nest and it includes like psychotic dreams and visions of jade so I was like okay the second half of this movie is going to be him atoning for his behaviour but his parents just get him out yeah like he's he not in there them. for very long he asks them he says will you please get me out and they go yeah alright well it's implied that he's been in there for a year but right. we don't see any of that time really passing no we don't no and I think he his just, parents are quite influential, right? Does one of them work in politics or something? The dad definitely is credited with having right. got him out. And the, the mom's very like, oh, he did a great job. You should have seen him. I mean, the dad is an, is an issue. I, I, I mean, for this whole time that he's been in the psychiatric unit, he's been writing letters to Jade, which it turns out he finds out when he gets back to the family home, never reached her because yeah. they blocked his post. And then the dad instantly tells him that him and his mum are separating. <laughs> because he's leaving her for a, a younger yeah. woman, I think. He, yeah. he, he blames it on his son. <laughs> he's like, seeing you two in love reminded me what love is, and now me and your mother are getting a divorce. <laughs> on the day he gets out of a psychiatric unit. <laughs> for being mental in his obsession with a woman. <laughs> That's in what the fuck? Also, um, like that, that follows the kind of the creepy trend of this film. To be yeah, honest, is that yeah. he's inspired to leave his wife for what I believe is is either implied or explicitly stated, like a younger woman. Yeah, at, because he sees his son with a fifteen-year-old girl. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's really it's something. just a kind. Yeah, it's just a very bizarre moral message behind that whole character's I mean, arc. The next section is even weirder. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, well, firstly, I mean, Jade's dad is livid, which is understandable because he, this guy burned down his house. Um, but David goes to see Jade's mum. Yeah. Who is now separated as well. Every, everyone's broken up because they're not getting any because they're not 15. Well, well, <laughs> well this is the thing. They, they, they go for a drink, David and Jade's mum, and then she tells him that she watched them have sex. And then they, like, make out a bit. <laughs> and it looks like they're going to have sex until one of them stops it. Da- David David, stop- David, stops it. Why does this movie just keep going, though? Yeah. None of this is really adding anything to, like, the central story or theme, but it sort of seems to be building this idea that, like, that that one relationship between Jade and David, that as far as we're aware lasted some weeks, just seemed to have this catastrophic effect on everybody around it. I think the implication is that the relationship has been going on for longer, but we don't see it. Well, yeah, we have no idea of that. We just catch up because, with them. Yeah, they're X all amount together. Of time. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. They could have been together for like three months or something. This would be quite a natural progression of a I mean, teenage relationship. That would still be mental, Tom. I mean, everybody is leaving their wives <laughs> because of this <laughs> three-month relationship. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, I guess I meant as in the, <laughs> prior to burning your house down. Right. Prior to that, it could have been kind of like, oh, you know, they've been together for a normal amount of time. But like, 
What's a normal amount of time for both sets of parents of the kids in the relationship to leave well, no, their parents because of that relationship? No, I, I, I don't think that necessarily <laughs> there is any set amount of time. A year? After a year, can the parents separate? I think, I think all parents separate a year okay. after yeah. a teenage romance okay. for their children. I that's think that's the rule. That's what the film's telling me because yeah. it's 100% strike rate. <laughs> we, don't, we don't see James Spader's girlfriend again. No, 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 season doesn't so turn back up. They no, must have broken true. up as yep. a result of this. Mad. Absolute madness. Uh, I tell you what, though, while, while he is at Jade's mum's, he gets Jade's address from her mm. address book and immediately books a bus to go and see her in Vermont, which is like a day and a half bus ride, by the way. I looked it up. It's right. an insane thing to just do. Uh, but, but he's an insane guy. Uh, before yeah. that, he bumps into Jade's dad and his new girlfriend, and <laughs> yeah. the dad sees him uh, across a crosswalk, yeah. runs to get after him, and then gets hit by a car and immediately dies. Yeah. <laughs> so unex... Even though it is so it's expected so because they're quick. at a crosswalk. The moment they're at a crosswalk, you know something's going to happen, but it happens so quickly and so dramatically. <laughs> it's just like, am I still watching the same film? Like He's immediately dead. Uh, so of course David then just goes back to visit the mum instantly obviously because that's what but, you do but James Spader is there and it's yeah. it's a whole thing um, about you know oh you know my dad's dead and uh, but nobody knows that, that David was there at the time that that the dad died right no. that's the whole thing because we've still got like two more fucking twists to come uh, but he gives, it's also he, the very nature of his probation release is that he's not allowed to make contact with any member of that family that's right yes right. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah he's already tried to have sex with the mum yeah yeah exactly straight <laughs> away now he shakes hand with with, with the brother yeah. he's killed their dad yeah no one seems to be <laughs> no one seems to be that bothered by no. his presence except for the dad who is so bothered he's <laughs> so bothered like he there's nothing in his legal probation requirements that says you can't go to New York and walk <laughs> down the street. Like it, at this point, he could just be going. I've re- always wanted to see the Statue of Liberty, and now I'm finally out of a, of a psychiatric hospital after a year. I, I might. I want to make the most of my life. I'm going to go see the sights, and oh look, there's a man on the other side of the street that I'm not allowed to be with. All he has to all he has to do is maintain a few meters distance, and he's fine. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and then but the dad's response is, oh, "I'm gonna fucking kill him." Yeah. <laughs> the guy's not allowed near me. I'm gonna get near him. <laughs> and like, and yeah, it's just insane. They 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 meet up at at, at the mum's house, and David gives the mum the letters that were meant for Jade, and then Jade visits David after having received the letters. Right? Yes. I and think the mum says of, something about go and see Jade, I'll get yeah. her address for you. And he's all like, no, which seems fucking mental because he has a bus book to go and see her. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he goes, no, I won't do that. And then so, so there's this very long scene where they do meet in David's, I think it's David's apartment or hotel room. Um, which is, this scene has not aged well. No, not at all. But she, well, she kind of sets the record straight and says goodbye. And it's like, look, it was what it was and it won't be that again. Um, and then he grabs her and pins her to the bed. And says, but I love you. You do love me. Yeah. And that sort of works? Yeah. She kind of tries to fight him off. 
yeah, she tries to fight him off and then succumbs to what I guess it was, is, the intent is that she does still have these feelings, but she's yeah. trying to deny them. Um, horrible so message. It's a horrible message. I mean, yeah. in, in practicality, obviously, the, the message is supposed to be, well, she does still love him. She was denying it to herself, but yeah. it's so badly communicated yeah, that it just, really it just comes cool. across like he's making her remember. <laughs> yeah. It's so... It's, uh, you know... Uh, which, which, which actually would have been keeping in, in, in tone with a movie where they really played up the creepiness of David's character a little bit more. But him being the protagonist means that we're supposed to sympathise with him and that becomes an increasingly difficult proposition as the movie goes on, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it could have still been possible to do something like that if it just hadn't had the physicality of the scene. Like if Maybe, she'd just been yeah. like, goodbye, this is over, and then he'd somehow spoken about something, he'd communicated some emotions. And she then was she on her realized, way out of the door, mate. I really well, did, yeah, you know. I'm, not, I'm not trying to really argue this point. <laughs> what would you just, do then? How, how would you convince her to stay then, Tom? Let's, well, I wouldn't be able to, because evidently <laughs> she's not interested. <laughs> I'm just saying that I think the physicality of the scene makes it so much worse than if they, was, if they wanted that character to, to be to remember that she does actually still have all these strong feelings, to do it yeah. by her emotion and language, rather than having him pin her to the bed. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's insane. And then the next morning they go downstairs and she finds out that he was there when her dad died. And there's a big fight between James Spader and uh, Martin Hewitt. And I think he gets arrested, right, David? Yes, someone falls because the police. Yeah. Um, yeah, do they? Well, they turn up very quickly. They turn up within 30 seconds. And then there's a final scene between Jade and her mum where they talk about the party that we saw at the beginning of the movie and her dad playing trumpet and they talk about coming of age. And the mum kind of sums it up by literally just kind of going like, well, you're on your own now, so you, you can figure that out. Bye. And then waves goodbye and it's the end of the movie. Well, Jade says... <laughs> She says, no one will ever love me like he did. Yeah, creepily. Yeah, and, in, and instead of going, that's not love, that's obsession. Yeah. The mum just goes, yeah. Yeah, well, all right, I'm off. Well, it gets shit from here. <laughs> yeah. And credits. <laughs> with a fucking awful freeze frame of her yes, outside the prison bars with yeah. absolute ambiguity as to whether she's actually outside the prison bars or if David is imagining her outside the prison bars or if it's just a shit cut. <laughs> but that's the whole movie. And I just sat afterwards going like, what the what ha- what was that? What happened? Yeah. I mean, it's not very good. It seems to miss the entire point it's trying to make, right? Absolutely. Like cer- certainly tonally, I mean, I, I what I understand from from the book, like because it's based on a book, is the book is about how destructive that kind of young obsessive love can be. But the tone of the film, because we're seeing it all from David's point of view, is like it just seems to be saying, like, isn't this all so romantic? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And Hewitt is creepy, but he's not creepy enough. Making him the protagonist is is a mistake, and it should have been like Cape Fear where the protagonists are the family, Jade's family, who are, like, beset upon by this one mad guy. Uh, and we watch as, as our protagonist's lives, like, fall apart. 
at the hands of this one guy who is the enemy, and that guy should be played by Tom Cruise. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Yeah, it's just a very confused film. And like Mm. you said, like like the fact that the fact that the last line that Jade seems to have is "No one will ever love me like he did," and there's no counter to that. Yeah, it's agreed with. Like demonstrates that either the director and writer, etc., had zero clue what this film was about. Or they knew what it was about, and they fucked it up completely. Yeah, or just willfully ignored what it was really about. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's baffling. Strange movie. Strange movie. Uh, uh, initially, it, it received an X rating. Yes. Uh, and was recut five times, specifically the sex scenes, <laughs> yes. in order to receive the R. Brooke Shields was 16 at the time of filming, uh, and the filming does include nude scenes. Was That's the... Th- okay. Was she 16? Yes. Because her birthday's in May, and the film came out in July. Okay, she might be 17, Tom. I no, no, know. that would okay. make her 15. Oh, right, I see, I, I see. I, th- I think she was 15 at the time of recording, unless they filmed those scenes right at the end after her birthday or something. But I, I mean, this, it's, it's, uh, look, I mean, that's a very uh, European cinema sensibility kind of yeah. forced into American filmmaking. I mean, Shields, Shields, Brooke Shields originally became prominent as a child model and was just one of America's like most famous faces by the age of about 13. Um, yeah. And she had done uh, nude scenes in, in films prior to this. Pretty Baby, I think you're referring to there. Quite possibly, yes. Yes. Quite possibly. She, uh, plays a, she plays a child prostitute at the age of 12. Right. Um and yeah, there's a reportedly nude scenes and stuff in it, which I, I personally, um, I, I find, and it kind of goes into endless love and stuff, but like considering all the stuff that came out since, like, again, I didn't even really know who Brooke Shield was. I, I, I recognized right. her name and I realized it was actually through a Tom Cruise connection, which we can cover later. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I didn't realize who she was. I went on her Wikipedia and stuff to try to find out. And then it, it turns out that like, so much of her early career in terms of like literally when she was like 10 there's like so much yeah. scandal about like photo shoots that have had, they've come out since which are basically just child pornography i mean she went to court about that film you were talking about pretty i think it's pretty baby that she went yeah. to court about to kind of the trial was to discuss whether or not it constituted child pornography yeah yeah, and it's like there's that. There's like another film that came out. I can't remember. Is it Blue Lagoon or something like that? It's, it's that sort of name. And again, like it's she's like fourteen or something, and there's like nude scenes, and and it's just like it. Considering that her mother was literally like essentially like a manager, yeah, her manager throughout this whole time, it feels horribly like exploitative. It does when it's viewed through yeah. today's light. Sure, sure, and and. And it's not to dismiss the artistic merit that reportedly, I mean, I never want to see the film, but like Pretty Baby is still acclaimed in right. other regards. It's still meant yeah. to be artistically, you know, there's reason for it. I get that. Uh, and yeah, if you look at it from a 1970s European sensibility of like 15 year old in the context of the film, et cetera, et cetera, it's not the end of the world, but it's it as a whole it does really feel like the mother was just going, hey, you know what? People have a weird kind of like, yeah. to be blunt, paedophilic obsession with this rising starlet who's like 10, 12, 15. 
Let's yeah. throw it into exclusively nude roles in film after film after film to like exploit that. It it does feel very it, exploitative. You're right. So yeah. It, and but I, I, I read about all of that stuff after I'd seen this film. Yes, yeah, same here. Uh, and and watching this film, just taking this film on its own, this film didn't necessarily feel exploitative. I don't think. No, no, no. I stand alone. I mean, I, I was. I'll be honest. When I was watching it, because these days, for example, it would it would not be unheard of in you know certain I guess genres and stuff, but like it wouldn't be unheard of for this topic, this kind of film to be made, like a 17-year-old and a 15-year-old, and then you hire two people in their 20s. So if yes. a nude scene happened, you're watching people of, you know, 23, 24 doing it. So it might, you might feel uncomfortable, but you're not watching anything that's actually, like, tr- problematic in and of itself. Right. It's representative. And, and when I was watching this, I did have a little Google, and, it, and like, is it Mark Hewitt? Yeah, Martin Hewitt. Yeah, Martin Hewitt. So he is twenty-two, and then, like I said, Brooke Shields was born in nineteen six. She was born in nineteen sixty-five, and the film came out in nineteen eighty-one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But her birth, her sixteenth birthday would therefore have been in May nineteen eighty-one. Yeah, that so is crazy, isn't it? As I was watching it, I was looking. I was like, "This is making me really uncomfortable." Yeah, because a sixteen-year-old naked on film would be like uncomfortable. By today's sensibilities, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fifteen-year-old yeah. is just plain like wrong. It's just illegal on so many levels, you know. It's and yeah, so that was a that was a, that made the whole film even more uncomfortable. Put a little odd, odd little uh, little tinge on the film after I'd watched it for sure. Yes, yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't just that sort of like, oh, this is uncomfortable because of the subject matter and we're supposed to be feeling uncomfortable. And I don't even know if that was the intent in, you know, in, in the, the tone of the film itself. I mean, I cannot work out the tone of the film at all. No. Because I think, I, I think it, it could be saying very interesting things along those lines. Yeah. But if it's trying that, it didn't work. No. Like, <laughs> I, felt, I felt uncomfortable solely because of what I was watching, not yeah. because of like the the message of the film, which because yeah, it doesn't carry it well enough at all. Like every moment that is creepy, the characters act as if it's not creepy. Well, if you took the sex scenes out, as in sorry, you took the you take the nudity out, yeah, you've got a drastically lower rated film. Yeah, it would just be like drug use and uh, language, basically, and setting yeah. fire to your girlfriend's house. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. Be, yeah, but that's mild threat, isn't it? Because sure no one's mild at... threat. Yes, well, it's in, mild in real life, threat. that's mild threat. <laughs> We've all dodged a house fire. <laughs> it received mostly negative reviews. What a shocker! But it 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 grossed like thirty two million dollars worldwide. It, the opening weekend was four million, and it eventually grossed thirty-one million, and then made an extra million internationally. That's meant when you consider that West Side Story just came out by Steven Spielberg. Yeah, I haven't. And that's that opening yet. weekend was ten million dollars. Ah, yeah, but we're in a pandemic. Pandemic, and it's a musical, so it was doomed yeah. to fail. I don't know who thought people would show up at cinemas for. Steven Spielberg's remake of West Side Story. As excited as I am about it, I don't know it's, anybody it's else who's excited about it at all. My wife. There you go. And she loved it. My wife. Yeah, My are we going to do... Yeah. Please, please no. My wife. Um, it received an Oscar <laughs> nomination. Fuck me. For the song. Oh, okay. 
The song was preposterously successful. The song got five Grammy nominations and was number one in the charts for nine weeks. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I mean, I'm not a fan of the song in the sense that it's, it's not that film. I think... It, oh, yeah, it's so much better than the film. <laughs> it is by far the best part of the film. Well, Tom Cruise is the best part of the film. <sighs> Should we... What do we do? What do we do on this podcast? Are we giving scores to films? Yes. I think we should give a score to the film and a score of how much we rate Tom Cruise. <laughs> the to- the, the cruiseness of the film. The cruiseness of the film. Okay, fine. What's your score for the film, Tom? Two out of ten. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've gone for a three. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. Are we doing it out of ten then? Okay, we're doing it out of ten. Yeah. Um, it's shit. I guess for the cruiseness of the film, I'm going to have to give it a one because he's only in it for, for 30 seconds, even if he is yeah. the most cruise he, he's ever been. I, I, gave, I gave him two as well. Yeah, fair enough. On the, on the grounds that he is giving it his all, but it's just, it's shit. He is, here's, he's still a bit shit. Yeah, he is. That's a shame. Here's, here's a question though. I've given it a three out of 10. You've given it a two out of 10. Um, would you recommend that people see this film? No, never. I would. <laughs> well, as a, as a guide yeah. on how not like, to make a film. You have to see how mad this film is. Because we've really only like scraped the surface. We've yeah. talked about the plot points, but none of like really the characters' reactions to stuff and the way the film looks. I recommend this film as an experience. In the same way that one would recommend like The Room. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 But but also no, because I feel like the room is so badly made that it's like, it's <laughs> hilarious. I think that applies here. He burns I mean, down their house, Tom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I d- no, no, no. I mean, I really did not enjoy this film. Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't enjoy it. Um, so to kind of wrap, I, you know, we we don't often want to wrap up on like, the feelings of the film, if if especially if we're feeling negative towards it, so we have come up with a game uh, <laughs> where <laughs> one of us, only one of us, is allowed to read the IMDb trivia page, and we'll take it in turns, and that person will give, will read three pieces of trivia, but one is a piece of trivia they've made up. We've called it two crews and a lie, <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's good. And Tom, it's it's you're you're going to set us off on the inaugural, yeah. On the inaugural thing, okay, and there will be points, and we'll add them up at the end of the podcast, and uh, there'll be a prize. <laughs> right. So, oh Jesus, um, it's worth pointing out that given that this film has thirty seconds of Tom Cruise, yeah, there isn't a lot, and by that I mean any <laughs> trivia about Tom Cruise. Okay. Except Fine. there is one piece which I am not including in the two Cruise, two Cruise and a Lie because yeah, it's please, whoa, this is yeah the, yeah the, this is this is the basically the sole bit of trivia about Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise's very brief appearance in the movie is critical to the movie's plot. Yeah, that's good yeah. trivia. Yeah. <laughs> Argu- arguably just a statement. Yeah, not really trivia. <laughs> it's not really any trivia. Okay, so here we go. Three pieces. Number one, Shirley Knight, who played Jade's mother, begged the director to cast Carrie Fisher in the role of her daughter instead. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Number two, the stuntman who got hit by the car during the scene where Jade's dad dies broke three vertebrae. <laughs> God. Okay. I hope that one's not true. Bearing okay. in mind how horrendous that that 
that stunt yeah. was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. he does fly through the air. It's not pleasant. Okay, number three. Remember, she's 15, maybe 16 in this. Okay. During the sex scene... The director squeezed Brooke Shields' big toe to provoke a reaction resembling an orgasm. I don't really... Repeat the first one? first one is that Shirley Knight, who played Jade's mother, begged the director to cast Carrie Fisher in the role of her daughter instead. So this is difficult. This is difficult because I desperately don't want the other two to be true. I don't want the vertebrae or the toe thing to be true. Uh... But I think that they are both true. And I think that the lie is that she begged Carrie Fisher. Because I think Carrie Fisher would be way too young, surely. How old was she in Star Wars? Wasn't she like 22 when she was in Star Wars? I think she might have been like 20. I don't know. Oh, I don't maybe know for I'm sure. Too but too old. Uh, oh, no. Okay. Right. I'm changing my mind. I'm changing my mind. I got confused about times. I think that the vertebrae is a lie. You are correct. Yes! Right, excellent. I get a point for that. Fantastic. Yeah. And other people that Shirley Knight begged the director to cast instead of Brooke right. Shields include Linda Blair, Jodie Foster, and Michelle Pfeiffer. All good picks. Yeah. Um, there are plenty actually, of others as well. I actually think that Brooke Shields is pretty good in the movie. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, she, she puts in a good performance, I think. Uh but any of those other actresses would have worked because the real problem with the movie is uh, everything else. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> but yeah, the big toe thing. True. That's, that's that is absolutely insane. And I hate that I know that now. Right. Anyway, look, we've come to the end of the first episode. I had a good time. That was fun. Um, We'd love, like, usually at this point, we would read out some emails, but this being the first episode, we've not had any. So do email us and we'll read out on the show. Uh, You can also talk to us on Twitter. If you go to at cruiseviewspod, you can find us there. If you go to Instagram, at cruiseviewspod, you find us there. We're on TikTok as well. If you search for cruiseviews, you'll find loads of just clips of Tom Cruise, I guess. I don't know what I'm going to post on TikTok yet. Um, And email us... uh, cruiseviewspodcast at gmail.com Is that right? I think so. Is that right? Let me check. Cruiseviewspodcast. Is it podcast or is it pod? Hang on. How do I, how do I check, Tom? I have no idea. Cruiseviewspodcast at gmail.com That's it. Yes. Um, thank you very much for listening. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to watch Taps ahead of our next episode, which will be covering Taps. Uh... This podcast will self-destruct in five seconds.